Hey there, educational rock stars. Are you feeling overwhelmed with lesson planning for your English language learners? Well, I've got some exciting news for you. Introducing our upcoming free webinar, Simplify Your Approach, Three Time-Saving Routines for ELL Success. Join me for a power-packed 45 minutes that's set to revolutionize your teaching strategy. In this webinar, we'll dive into three practical, easy-to-implement routines that will not only enhance your ELL teaching methods, but also save you hours of planning time. Yes, hours. So whether you're a seasoned pro or just starting out, these insights are tailored to help everyone make the most of their teaching time. Plus, you'll leave this webinar ready to implement these routines the next day. So mark your calendars for our two upcoming dates. I don't want you to miss this opportunity to transform your ELL lesson planning. To reserve your spot, simply sign up at www.equippingells.com slash routines. Trust me, your future self will thank you for it. I'll see you at the webinar. Teaching ELL students is a privilege and a joy. Is it easy? No way. But with the right support, you can feel empowered to tackle each day with ease and confidence. I'm your host, Beth Boucher, founder of Inspiring Young Learners. With over 10 years of teaching both nationally and internationally, I know what it takes to ensure that your ELL students have what they need to thrive today, tomorrow, and for life. I'm on a mission to empower you to equip your English language learners. Welcome to Equipping ELLs. Let's get to today's episode. Hey there, and welcome to another episode of the Equipping ELLs podcast. Thank you so much for joining me today, and just thanks for being a listener to this podcast. It means so much that you are taking your time to listen in and learn simple and practical strategies that you can use quickly and easily in your classroom to help support your English language learners. If you haven't heard, our 100th episode is coming up very shortly, and we would love to feature you on that episode. You are the reason that I do this podcast. You are the reason you're the person I think of when I sit down and write and plan and research and do all the things to get ready for these podcasts. And I would love to hear from you. So there will be a link in the show notes. You can send us a quick voice message, letting us know how this podcast has helped you in your teaching, just maybe a takeaway you've had or a change you've seen in your classroom because of something you've heard here in the podcast, whatever it is, we would love to hear from you. And if you are featured on our hundredth episode, you will get a free month to equipping ELLs and we will have one grand prize winner that will get a whole year subscription for free. So check that out in the show notes. We would love to feature you on our upcoming 100th episode and stay tuned because we're going to have some more ways that we will be celebrating then as well. All right. Today's episode I am super excited about because cooperative learning strategies and just ways to have students constantly responding and applying and outputting and talking with one another It's definitely one of the areas of teaching that I felt really confident in that just it's how my classroom was always running. I saw the power of that from the beginning when I first started teaching. So that's what we're going to be talking about today is really the scaffolds and outputs being a part of our daily routine and our daily classroom activities. And I'm going to be sharing with you four different cooperative learning strategies that you can easily and quickly use in whatever you are teaching. Um, That's the beauty, whether you're teaching 
10th grade math to newcomers, or you're teaching second grade to level threes and fours, you can easily take these cooperative learning strategies and apply them in the lessons that you're doing this week. All right, so let's begin kind of with the basics of just what is a cooperative learning strategy? What is collaborative learning? It is an instructional approach where students work together to achieve a common goal or solve a problem. This approach is really beneficial for our ELLs because it gives them authentic opportunities to practice their language skills, to learn from their peers, and to gain confidence in a supportive setting. I mean, I think back to my education growing up and how often our classroom was set up where one student was responding One student was reading to the whole group, all these things where students were just put on the spot all the time. And the rest of the students were probably zoning out, distracted with something else. And that's not what we want. That is wasting precious time. And so we want to be creating scaffolds and strategies in our classroom that are allowing all of our students to output, to respond through oral conversations as much as possible. It is so crucial for the development of a new language that our students are speaking constantly. And these four strategies will help you do that easily and quickly. Now, this is just, like I said, so crucial for our ELLs because interacting with peers in a structured, supportive environment really helps our ELLs to have a safe space to practice language, to not just, you know, really apply language themselves, but also understand cultural nuances. There's so much in language that's just that underlying, you know, cultural nuances that they only will learn through conversation. It also helps them build those essential communication skills. So really, this is why this is so important for ELLs, because they get to advance academically, but they also improve their language proficiency at the same time. And I'm going to share with you at the end some ways that you can scaffold. So if you're working with, you know, a mixed group of language levels and you're thinking, how can I have my newcomer really engage with this activity when they're working with students who are, you know, higher language levels or maybe some monolingual students even, you can make it happen and I'll share with you how to do that. Now, today I'm going to dive into four different Kagan strategies. If you haven't heard of Kagan, they are kind of the masters of cooperative learning strategies. You can check them out at, I think it's kaganonline.com if you want to learn more. But they are kind of the gurus of different learning strategies that you can use in your classroom that really create that cooperative learning environment. And what they share is a cooperative learning structure really has three things. One, it organizes classroom instruction. And what they mean by that is it's just an instructional strategy that describes how the teachers and students interact with the curriculum. Okay, so that's the first piece to it. The second piece is that it is content-free and repeatable. And what we mean by content-free is that it's not tied to any specific curriculum, but it can be used with any curriculum or it can, you know, be with any subject or topic. So it's really something that's repeatable across grade levels, across language levels, across content. And that's the beauty of this. As you start to begin to implement these types of things, you're going to see how you can use this multiple ways throughout the week. And this really helps save on lesson planning time. When you start to plug in these strategies and you see, okay, I could do this with 
these five groups and I'm just going to change out the content that I'm doing with those. So they're very repeatable, which is awesome. And then the last part is that it implements the basic principles of cooperative learning, which is sometimes it's referred to the acronym as PIES, and that stands for positive interdependence, individual accountability, equal participation, and simultaneous interaction. Okay, so those are the four parts to a good cooperative learning strategy. I'm going to say those again because I think they're really important. Positive interdependence, individual accountability, equal participation, and simultaneous interaction. Now, without these things, cooperative work is unstructured and really the achievement gains are somewhat questionable. I know I'm so guilty of that, of doing different cooperative work in my class, but really not creating the structure around it. And really, I I look back and see how much wasted time I had in the classroom. Even though it looked like the students were working together, it wasn't optimized. It wasn't, you know, it wasn't the output that I was really hoping for that my students could produce. So that's the beauty of these types of scaffolds. You know that it's including those basic principles of cooperative learning. And so you know that your students, the output's going to be really strong. So let's dive into four must-use collaborative learning strategies that foster positive peer interactions, because that's what the topic is today, really talking about those ways that our students every day can be responding in class through oral communication skills. That is how they will develop in their language learning journey, even in those newcomers, okay? We want to provide really awesome and safe opportunities for them to share constantly. Also at the end, you can check it out in the show notes, but I'm going to be setting you up with the tools you need to implement these strategies quickly and easily. That's what we're all about here on the Equipping ELLs podcast is really practical approaches to what you're doing. So you can click down and you can grab just these, you know, these strategies set up, but I'm going to be giving you the visual support so that your students know what to do. Anything, you know, if there's different observation checklists that you can use, because that's the other beautiful thing about when you're implementing these strategies, this is an amazing opportunity for you to go and listen in, observe, and take notes on how your students are doing when they're interacting with their peers. That's where you're going to hear a lot of how they're developing in their language and communication skills is when you're doing these types of strategies and listening in on the student conversations. So we're providing all that for you. Click in the show notes and get that. All right, so let's dive in. The first one, and you probably have heard of this, but I didn't want to skip over it because it is something that's so powerful, and that is a think-pair-share. Now, a think-pair-share is exactly what it says. You know, you're going to give your students some thinking time. They're going to pair up, talk about it, and then they can share out as a class. And this is so important to really use this throughout the day. If you're talking for longer than 10 minutes at a time and your students have not had a chance to respond, This is when you want to get very good at throwing in a think, pair, share, you know, prompting them with a question, highlighting a vocabulary word, having them think about it, share with a partner what they think it means or using in a sentence, anything that they are taking what you have been teaching and doing some sort of output with it. Now, with your ELLs, a way that you can kind of expand on this is to first, when they're thinking, maybe have them whisper in their hand. Okay. A lot of times I would have my first graders just kind of put their fist up to their mouth and whisper into it. And that helps them to begin to develop those oral languages first. Cause sometimes when we just say, okay, think about this, 
if we're not checking in on our students, they might just default to waiting to the share part and listen to their partner and take their ideas. So we want to really challenge our students to really think about what we're prompting them with. Whisper it in their hand first. Now they're going to share with a partner. Usually I would just say, find your elbow buddies, you know, the person next to you. You could do a mixed pair share where they walk around, they pair up. But if you're just sitting and doing a mini lesson and you're doing some teaching, keep it simple. Have them partner up, quickly share with one another their answer to the question or the response. And that again is such an amazing time for you to go and listen in on one or two partners, write some notes down and really get a feel for where your students are at and then have them share out. And so this, again, think about, you know, a student of yours who really has a hard time with, with sharing in front of the class. If we just ask a question, where is the setting of this story? Let's say, and we call on somebody and we're putting them on the spot. First of all, they're not prepared. Um, it builds anxiety. That's the opposite of what we want. But now think of it in this way. We ask that same question. We give them a chance to think about it independently. They have a time to partner up and they get to hear from a partner. So it either confirms, oh yeah, I was right. I I do know what the setting is. That builds their confidence. So now when you say, anybody want to share out, they're ready to share out. They're excited. They're confident over being put on the spot and now we're tearing them down. Okay. So this is why this is a very powerful strategy that if you are not using multiple times a day, I want to challenge you to start here and start to use this multiple times a day. Now, like I said, we have some diagrams, some um, visual support so that your students, those, especially those newcomers, when they see, okay, all of a sudden all the students are looking and partnering up and talking to each other and I have no idea what's going on. We have visual sports so you can say, okay, this is your thinking part. We're not going to talk for a minute and I want you to just think about this question that I asked you. All right, this is your partner time. So we have those visual supports for you so that even your newcomers can easily participate in this strategy. All right, the second one, I love this one as well. It's called the inside outside circle. And I love this one because it's so easy to adapt to whatever you're working on. It's a great opportunity to review, to apply, to put the responsibility of the learning on your students. And the best part is that all your students are going to be talking at the same time. No longer is it going to be one student raising their hand and responding. This is an opportunity for all your students to get up, to move, and to respond. And so how this works is how I would do it. I would give my students a note card. And, you know, let's say we were finishing up a unit. And I'd say, okay, think about a vocabulary word that we learned throughout this unit. I want you to write that vocabulary word on your card and draw a picture. And maybe sometimes if we had the time, it's it and write that word in a sentence. Okay. So the students have a little bit of independent time where they're going to be working on these cards, maybe 10 minutes or so. And now I'm going to have my students. One group is going to be on the inside circle and they're going to face out. And the other group is going to stand in front of that person. So everybody should be facing one student and each person will have their note card in hand. And now what we're going to do is we're going to share our note cards with each other. So the first person will read their word, show the picture, say the sentence. Then the other partner will do the same thing. Read the word, show their picture, say the sentence. And now what's very cool is they are going to switch note cards. 
Okay. And so this is sometimes an opportunity where I've seen my students will correct their partner and say, oh, you know what? That's actually not how you would use that word in a sentence. This is how you would use it in a really kind and polite way, but they're correcting. So that student instantly is learning and he's getting feedback and saying, oh, you're right. I, I confuse that word with a different one. I'm going to change that real quick. Because all of a sudden now the other partner takes on the card. So they want to make sure it's right. And then you have the outside circle step one step to the left or the right. So maybe move to the left. Everybody moves to the left. And now they have a new partner and they're going to do the same thing. They're going to share their, the card that they, the new card they have. They're going to share the vocabulary word. They're going to share the picture. They're going to share the sentence. They're going to listen to the partner. They're going to switch cards again. And that outside circle is going to rotate one step to the left. Do you see how the whole class is talking, is sharing, vocabulary words are being used all at the same time? And the other beautiful part of this is because you're switching cards, after that first initial time, that's the only time those students will have to have, hold on to the card that's theirs. And that's a lot of fear sometimes just happens when those students are doubting and they're saying, you know, this is all on me and this is going to, you know, I might, get made, I might get made fun of for this. As they're switching cards, they realize, okay, this isn't, you know, this isn't about me anymore. I'm just going to share this card that my friend made and I'm going to explain what he put down. And so all of a sudden we're taking that, that weight off of our students and them feeling like they're on the spot. And now they get to show up and they get to share vocabulary. They get to use it in a sentence. They get to talk about it with their partner while everyone's doing it at the same time. And so that's why I love an inside outside circle. Um, and like I said, we have some cheat sheets for you where it tells you how to do this, how long this usually takes, but start to really implement these things in your lessons. Each week you could do that with a different topic. You could do it with math words that they've been working on, you know, and it's okay if they're hearing the same word over and over, how powerful is that for our students to be interacting with that vocabulary in multiple different ways. And you could do something besides vocabulary. Maybe you do something that with a story that you've read, or you, you give them a question and they have to respond to it. There's so many different ways that you could use this strategy. Look for ways that you can start to implement it this week. All right. Number three is called numbered heads. And again, I love this one because all the students are talking. All of the students are interacting at the same time. You can prompt them with a question. And the students are going to write down their answer. So they're going to put their answers, maybe individually, they're going to write down their answer first. And then they're going to come together and they are going to make sure that everybody's answer is correct. So they're going to look at the answers. They're going to talk about them. They might even come up with one answer together as a group where every person feels ready to share that out and feels accountable because this is where the numbered part comes in. Each student in your class in that group is going to have a number, you know, one, let's say if they're groups of four, one, two, three, four, go to the next group, one, two, three, four. So each student knows, okay, I'm number one, I'm number two, I'm number three, number four. Now they don't know who's going to be called on to share. It depends what number is called, but that's why they're going to work together as a group to either create a answer that everyone feels confident and ready to share, or they're just going to check in on each other's answers and make sure that they are correct. And so it gives a little bit of suspense of which number is going to be called, but it helps all the students 
hold each other accountable and making sure that they are confident and ready to share. So after they've given some time to talk through the answer, maybe come up with a group answer, you're then going to call out a number. So maybe it's, hey, number two, everybody who's number two, stand up at your table and quickly they're each going to share out in the whole class. And again, this is something quick and easy to do. It's not putting one kid on the spot. They've had time to think it through. They've had time to prepare. And so they are ready to share it out. All right. So that one's called numbered heads. And then the last one that I love, and there's so many other ones we could do. I'm sure I could do part two and three and four of this podcast. So let me know if you like these kind of podcasts. But one other one that I really enjoy using is called Showdown. And I love using showdown because it really puts the responsibility of the learning and the teaching onto the students. And anytime we can help our students feel like they're in the role of the teacher is a good thing. And so how this works is the students will be in groups and one student each round will become the teacher. I've done this before with just as simple as having math questions, just some flashcards at the table. And so the teacher will pick up the flashcard and they'll say, you know, what's five plus three? And everyone will have their own individual whiteboard and everyone will write down their answer and they'll put it face down. And that student who's the teacher that round will say, showdown. Everyone will turn their board over and the teacher will check their answer. So the teacher needs to know what the answer is. The teacher will go around and check And they'll correct anybody if they're not correct. And this takes time. You want to teach your your students how to be kind in this and how to give positive feedback and how to correct somebody in a kind way. But you'll be surprised at how much they love to take on the role of the teacher and how they love to help the students. So, you know, let's say someone in the group puts five plus three is 10. Well, I've seen students, second grade students who will help and show and draw a picture and say, Hey, let's go through this problem together. See how that's helping to put the responsibility of the teacher onto the students. They're now using what they know to teach somebody else. That's building confidence in our students and their abilities. And it's helping us to take on more of the role of the facilitator. And that's where, again, this is an amazing opportunity to walk around to those groups, to be checking in on how the students are doing just with the questions, but also just how they're interacting. How are they working together? How are they, you know, making sure that everybody is getting the right answer and understanding how to get to that answer? It's a really powerful thing to do. And so after that round, a new per, a new student at the table will become the teacher. So that role will switch every round. And it's just so helpful for those students to build confidence, to get excited about being that teacher for a moment and to help the other students at the table. So that one is called showdown. So quickly to review, we have think, pair, share, inside, outside circle, numbered heads, and showdown. Think of how you could use those this week in your lessons. And like I said, we have all of it broken down for you. So don't worry. We'll set you up with how to quickly and easily use these with whatever lessons you're teaching this week. But before we end today, I want to just go over a few different things to think about as you're setting up these groups and different ways you can scaffold these cooperative learning strategies. So the first one to think about is just doing some strategic pairing and grouping. You might Pair sometimes your students with more proficient English speakers so they get they get to hear conversations and hear that example from maybe some native speakers or just more proficient students in the class. 
Or you might pair your students with students who share the same native language. This might be an amazing opportunity to bring in some translanguaging opportunities where your students are going to use their native language in peer discussion first before they share out in English. So that's an awesome opportunity as well. Or you might partner them with students who are at the same language level, and it just might give you a better opportunity to scaffold, you know, maybe the questions that you're providing each group or the support that you're giving them in that group. Now, something else you might want to do is if you're working with newcomers with mixed groups in this, you might want to offer some sentence stems. So just some different ways that they can quickly engage in the conversation. Um, so things like, you know, I agree with because, or I disagree with, um, another perspective is, so even for those higher language level students, just giving them a quick academic language stem to respond is going to be a great way to help them really start to apply this in conversation with peers. The next thing you might want to do is think about how you can bring in visual supports. Like I said, just having even the simple um, diagram of what this looks like when I'm doing a think pair share, what does the teacher mean when she's telling me to think, you know, what does this mean when I'm partnering up? How do I find a partner? All those things, think those through because as if you take the time to really teach that, they will then respond really well to doing these types of routines in the classroom. And then the other thing is, you know, like in that last one, I just shared the, the showdown, just really making it clear of the roles and responsibilities. This is where sometimes cooperative learning can get out of hand or just become, you know, really stressful and create an environment where it's not working very well is if the roles are not clearly defined. And so, you know, maybe if there's someone who's writing down um, the response and then there's someone who's kind of the lead on the response, there's someone who is the teacher on this, you know, in this example, whatever it is, just being clear of defining the roles or defining who's going to kind of take charge when they're in this cooperative learning um, structure and making sure that it's not always the same person. So that's something to be aware of that, you know, that we have those natural leaders in our classes. And even when you have your groups of your ELL students, sometimes those who are confident and more strong in the English language, they tend to take the forefront quickly and easily, which is great. But we want to make sure that all of our students have that opportunity to take the lead. Even if they're newer in learning English, we want to give them that opportunity. So doing something like that, it provides that structure and the purpose to interactions, and it really helps them to run smoothly. So I hope that you have some good ideas going forward into this week of how you can be using these cooperative learning strategies to really have opportunities for your students to be outputting every single lesson that you are teaching. Really reflect and think about how much teacher talk time you have going on in your class and how much student interaction time you have. And try to really pull back on your teacher talk time and push more for your students to be able to respond that is going to help them grow in their language journey. I promise you. So thanks for joining me today. I will be back next week with an incredible guest that you do not want to miss out on. We're going to be talking about linguistic scaffold. So I'll see you then. Thank you for joining me in today's episode. All links and resources mentioned can be found in the show notes. If you're looking for even more support and done for you resources created specifically for the needs of ELLs, head to inspiringyounglearners.com. I'll catch you here next week. Until then, take that next step to keep equipping your ELLs.